So this morning, I want to continue our conversation, and I think they're right, the Jew, Jewish sages, that old rabbis, say that this is probably the most important subject in the Word of God. And we are speaking about death and life being in the power of the tongue. In Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it, eat the fruit thereof. The, the, the phrase, they that love it, means those that are making use of it, are eating of the fruit or reaping the consequence of the words that they speak. So some people understand the power of speech. They understand the laws of speech. They are consciously practicing that. And they are reaping the benefits of it. Now we all understand, at least to a certain degree, the importance of the words we speak into and over our lives. In other words, we understand that nobody will say consciously and deliberately that I am going to die, all right, tomorrow I'm going to, people won't say that. People will not get married and immediately after the wedding, stepping out of the service, say to themselves, this uh, marriage is only going to last six months in, 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 and, and a year from now will be divorced and all of that. Nobody will consciously say that. But when the scripture speaks about death and life being in the power of the tongue, it goes beyond, much more beyond, words we intentionally speak into our lives to generate power for advancement. That is, uh, there's a, there, there are ways in which you speak that can, can administer death into your situation, that can poison your life, that can destroy a marriage, and it is not that you deliberately and intentionally Trust what you are doing, but largely because of ignorance about spiritual things and uh, the depth of, because man left God's presence, all right, thousands of years ago. And after Jesus came into the earth, then the revelation of who God is and the mysteries of his kingdom are being progressively revealed to humanity. So day by day, we are getting acquainted with spiritual principles and laws. And so there are ways in which we talk that we don't really understand that the implication of these words here is a direct administration of death. Or if we speak in this way, we are administering life into our own personal lives. And these are words that we speak all right, with people, conversations that we have every day, or things that we say to people. And those words, all right, those conversations we have, and the things we say to people about people has a direct impact 
right, upon our lives. In other words, you can go and meet a couple who exchange words in the first three weeks of their getting married in trying to resolve differences that they have between themselves and somebody who is knowledgeable about spiritual things will tell them that the spiritual input of what you are saying to yourselves will not make this marriage here last beyond 12 calendar months by reason of this exchange of words. Now, it's not that you are saying our marriage is not going to last beyond 12 months, but the conversation that you are having, right, is opening up the door for forces of darkness to be able to come in. So this goes deep into conversations that we have every day. What we say to or about others directly impacts our own light. And this is what I want to talk about today. These conversations that we have in the office, these conversations we have at family gatherings, this is where most of, all right, this form of communication is going on and where these spirits are working over time in getting things done. Now, first of all, we've got to realize the, the strategic and vital role the tongue plays among our members. Very vital and strategic. In James chapter 3 and verse 1, it tells us in James 3 and verse 1, it says, My brethren, be ye not many masters, knowing that we shall receive greater condemnation. And I'll talk about that later on. For in many things we offend all, but it says, if any man offend not in word or in speech, the same is a perfect man and is able also to bridle his whole body. Then in verse 3 it says, Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also sheep, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor desires. It says, even so the tongue, even though it's a little member, it can boast of great things. It, it, can, it, it, can, it, it can rightly attribute that it's responsible for many things and great things that are going on in the life that that person is experiencing. And it says, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire. In other words, great matters have been escalated. Matters that are little, the tongue has escalated those things into great things. It's a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth or poisons the entire body and sets on fire the entire existence of that person and is set on fire of hell. In other words, Satan, knowing how strategic and vital it is, the tongue says, the only part of a person's body I really want to gain control over is the tongue. If I can set that tongue on fire from hell, if I can, you know, uh, provoke that person uh, to speak in certain ways, he says, I will ultimately control the body of that person. I will ultimately control the actions of that person. And I will gain absolute control over the cycles of that person's existence. Once I can set, all right, the tongue on fire from a fire that is brought about from hell. 
So in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 6, it tells, Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. So it says, Suffer not your mouth to cause your body to engage in sin. Neither say before the angel that it was an error. It says, Wherefore should God be angry at that voice and destroy the work of your hands? And today I want to talk about how certain types of speech destroy a social capital, right? Which is really where we find some uh, God's reward expressed through the work of our hands. So he talks about here, suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. So he says this. In the book of Ephesians, it says, be angry, but do what? Sin not. Uh, which means you can be angry, but he says, don't let that anger, because Satan is trying to get you to say something. Don't let the anger cause you to sin. Where do you find that sin expressed? In speech. Be angry, but sin not. In fact, that scripture commands that you should be angry. All right, so it's not saying, God is not saying, don't be angry. It says, be angry, because anger is, we use anger as an instrument for change. You can't change anything you're not, you not angry about. So it's good. In fact, it says, be angry. All right, so let's put up a right hand and make this confession. I will be angry, but I shall not sin. Now you're free. So that you are angry is healthy, but do not are you following saying that? That anger should be channeled differently. Now, let me just quickly say this. He said, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Remember, it says, be slow to speak, be quick to hear, be slow to wrath. Right? Wrath is a manifestation of anger. In other words, when he says, be angry but sin not, which means once you sin and you say something, that's the wrath of man that doesn't work the righteousness of God. He says, now once wrath has come in and you've, and you've said things you shouldn't say, he said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, if you've said something that is wrong, all right, make amends before you sleep. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So be slow to speak, be quick to hear, be slow, it says there's honor to wrath, because wrath will destroy, right, the plan of God for your life. So Satan understands this. Now, there's a major point I'm getting to this morning as the first point here. All right, so Satan knows something, and there's the first point here. You see, in the Old Testament, in the temple, there was a vessel in that temple that was sanctified for a certain purpose. The purpose was, it was from that vessel that sacrifices were to make their journey from the earth right into heaven. In other words, all the spiritual sacrifices offered, it was sanctified. It was set apart for that purpose, which means it's from this vessel here that all spiritual sacrifices will make their journey. They were enabled to make their journey from the earth, all right, into the heavens. Now, he, he knows that. And he understands also, and we should understand this, that the Old Testament was a type and shadow of the new. So this was a type of something in the new. 
Now, in the new, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what part of our body now is that vessel through which that is sanctified by God for the purpose of enabling spiritual sacrifices to leave the earth and get to heaven? It's your mouth. Now, he knows that. In other words, it is to be separated unto God for the purpose of causing spiritual sacrifices to journey from the earth into the heavens, right? And then the second thing is also to draw. So it is from our mouth or through our tongue here, we offer praise unto God, all right? It's from there we offer prayers unto God, supplications, right? It's also through the words that we speak that even a physical offering there is, is, trans, it's, it's, is transformed into a spiritual sacrifice by the confessions that you make over the offering when you are giving it. That, and so the mouth is the organ through which that happens and it's to be sanctified, separated solely for that purpose. Now, the second function again is once the offerings are offered, once the sacrifices are offered unto God, then the mouth also receives grace from God's throne and can impart the results of those sacrifices into this material universe to change it. In other words, when, when Jesus was going to raise, raise Lazarus from the dead, he imparted grace into Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. But he had offered up prayers, first of all. And he had offered up prayers unto God and said, Father, I thank thee because you hear me always. And offered the prayers and then drew grace from his presence and imparted it there. So from the mouth there, spiritual sacrifices are offered up. And from the mouth also, all right, grace is imparted. Now, there was something in the Old Testament temple. God, when he said this vessel is sanctified solely for the purpose of transmitting Spiritual sacrifices unto me, there was something that should never, I mean, it's a Hebrew word, no point quoting, that should never enter into that vessel. Once it gets into the vessel, the vessel gets contaminated and it now becomes, all right, unfit, all right, becomes contaminated and impure and unfit to fulfill its function. So the vessel becomes defiled by placing an offering contrary to that which was stipulated in the law. It becomes useless as an instrument in the service of God. So Satan knows that. And so he knows that if I can contaminate, because it's sanctified for that, if I can contaminate this vessel in this new order, which is their mouth there, then I can render it as an instrument there that will not be useful in the service of God. And he understands that, you know, evil communication is what God has stipulated must not proceed out of your mouth. When it proceeds out of your mouth, then you have contaminated, all right, that vessel that God wants to use. And, and, and so he wants that evil communication to get in. So he contaminates it. So we may not know, we may just think that, you know, uh, we, you know, no matter what we do, no matter the conversation, it doesn't matter. But in the spirit realm, it matters there. And, and evil speech here 
It says, put away in in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's put that up. Ephesians 4 and verse 29. This is what he's saying here. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. In other words, it is what you say to people that actually contaminates. You see what he's saying here? That he may minister grace to the hearers. In other words, if what you are saying to people, the evil communication is the, when, the, when you are speaking words of death, these words are in conversation with other people. It says, but that he may minister grace to the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit. So when you speak that way, you grieve the Holy Spirit. You are contaminating, all right, this vessel here. And it says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. So these are things that need to be put away from you. And so it's the way and manner in which we speak in bitterness to other people and and speak, all right, there from a place of malice. We speak, all right, anger, and we say those things. That's the communication there that actually corrupts it. And so when that same person now comes to offer up worship unto God and, and, and says, well, I went out just before I came, all right, into service. I, I had an exchange of words with my neighbor and, and I said things in anger or, or a couple, they exchange words and say things in anger. Satan says, well, we've contaminated this vessel. They now come in and without knowing, without repenting, without receiving cleansing because they just don't know what is going on in the spirit realm, you come also to praise God and he says this vessel has already been contaminated. James chapter 3 here, it says in, in, verse, in, verse, in verse 9, therewith we bless God even the Father, or from verse 8, but the tongue can no man tame, is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God the Father, and therewith we curse men who are made after the similitude or the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. He says, my brethren, this ought not to be so. So they understood this, that by, by, by speaking certain ways to people, you are contaminating that vessel there. He says, out of the same, these things, doth a fountain send forth at the same place, sweet water and bitter, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive, all right, either a vine, all right, figs, so can no fountain yield salt water and fresh, which means it is not possible to speak evil of men and with the same mouth go and praise God. Uh, why is it so? It is so because God is saying, he said to us in the book of John, he said, you cannot say that you love me whom you have not seen. When the very people that are created in my image that you can see, You have not shown love to them. So you can't speak ill of people that you can see who I said are created in my image and you speak words to them about them without any recognition of that image and then you come to meet me in worship and you now imagine I'm there. It says says you can't. So first manifestation of worship is found in the words we use in our conversation. First manifestation of worship is found in the way in which, all right, words. First manifestation of prayer is found in our conversation. How we talk to one another. How we talk about one another. 
Now, the temple of God, which is his presence among the Jews, was destroyed in the past because of words stemming out of baseless hatred that led to division. In other words, what destroyed? That's why in the book of James chapter 1, it says what destroyed? They performed many activities, religious activities. They were doing many things on the outside, but they, the way in which they talked about themselves, the way in which they spoke. That's why in James chapter 1 and verse 23, it tells us, Oh, sorry, verse 26. If any man among you seems to be religious on the outside, he appears to be a very religious person. It says, and this person does not bridle his own tongue but deceives his heart. It says this man's religion is vain. In other words, if there is no control over the tongue, if a person is doing several things on the outside, that's a form of godliness but denies the power because the power is really found in the tongue. That's why the Jewish sages say this is the most important subject in the scriptures. All right? If it seems to be religious, you are doing many things on the outside. But it says you listen to the conversation. So somebody comes to the office and has a big Bible and is always playing praise and worship and seems to be religious. And then you get to the cafeteria and you listen to what this person is saying about other people in the office. It says that person's religion is vain. In other words, it will be empty. There will be no fruit. In all the activities that person is doing, the prayers, the vigils, it says it's vain. So it was this kind of conversation that created this. Isaiah chapter 6 shows us from verse 1. In the year in which King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. And then he talked about the posts of the door moved at the voice in verse 4 of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, when God's presence showed up, woe is me for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. Immediately he saw God. First thing that was revealed to him was that my lips are not clean. And then he also recognized something. I'm also among people, all right, who have unclean lips also. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the angels, having a live coal, which was taken from the tongues of the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, thy iniquity is taken away, thy sin is purged. And this is what this series is about, that live coal purging us. Then I heard a voice say, Who then can I send after it was purged? He said, I'm here, send me. I know the assignment. My assignment is to go and preach to these people that what is causing all the problem around is unclean lips. Where there is evil communication proceeding out of our mouth. And then God said, Go tell these people, Hear ye indeed what you understand not. See ye indeed what you perceive not. Many things are around you, but you simply can't see it. Make their heart fat, their ears heavy. Their eyes short, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts. They get converted from this way of speaking, and then I will heal them. Then I said, how long, Lord? He answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitants. Which means this uncleanness in your lips will cause this. The houses without man, the land shall be desolate. And the Lord have removed fire away, and there be a great 
forsaken in the midst of the land that came as a result of, of, of lips being unclean. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.